radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Leafs beat him to it and get the puck out. No flow to it, though. Ozak skated by the puck. Here comes Kessel looking dangerous. Shoots! Scores! Kessel, what a beautiful move! And what a great shot! Four, nothing. Toronto. September 28th, 2020, it's the Lace Up Hockey Podcast. I'm James Cole. Oh, I'm Bruce Battaglia. Did you guys hear that Jack Eichel is now a member of the uh, freaking Columbus Blue Jackets? Did you guys hear about this? Did, uh, did the north side break that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the good. deal. Uh, it's actually uh, uh, Jack Eichel for Mark Denis. The, stra- the trade is one for one. I was really hoping you'd go the trade is 0 for one. Ooh. I go for a fifth. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a thing, I guess, maybe. That might Riff be cool. Hop, eh? Jack Eichel, wow. That that's... might be cool. I don't know. That like that just it just shocked me because I made it forty seconds in. I made it like three hours after the news broke without anyone even mentioning it to me. And I work in a sports store. So I just thought that was kind of weird that like nobody even brought that up. And, and the coolest part about the news was that Bob McKenzie came out of retirement to break it. Like, that was my favorite part about that. Like, that that's the cool part, I think. It's not the news itself. It's the fact that Bob McKenzie, like, fired up his phone and within two hours had the, like, the craziest sports, like, fucking hockey rumor we've had in a few years, trade-wise. Like, that was cool. You could, you, you know? You could kind of just get the sense that he was uh, gearing up for, for draft day next week and then, like... Oh, I should probably like check in with my sources. Yeah. You know, Text like five guys, and they're like, "Oh, fucking Jack Eichel's getting traded. It's crazy. You don't want to come down here. Turn but, your phone back off." Uh, but he's not, right? Like, they're not. They're not going to yeah. trade Jack Eichel. I mean, okay, so it would be he would be the biggest name player to be traded since when? Like, what's the biggest guy that we've had traded in the last however long? Like at the time of the trade, you know what I mean. Like we've sure. had we've, we've had, had like Panarin got and traded, true. and that was a big deal. But like, yeah. you know, was it that big of a deal at the time? No. Are are we going all the way back to Patty Waugh? Uh, I don't know if it's that long, but like nothing's jumping at me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It depends how you rated PK Subban, I guess, at the time of that trade. Or Shea Weber, because a lot of people would have said that they were both like top five defensemen in the league at the time of the trade. I'm not sure. I would have gone that route with at least Weber, but um, you know, like I guess yeah. that might be a big one. But a, a lot of these big names we've seen became bigger as a result of the trade, or were already big and then exactly were no longer big. Like I don't know if Phil Kessel was a top ten winger in the league at the time of the Leafs trading him to Pittsburgh. 
But, like, Jack Eichel is for sure a top 10 centerman in the league. He might even be a top 10 overall player in the league. So it would be huge. It would be. Um, part of the reason why I don't I don't think it's going to happen. But um, apparently, you know, teams are calling. Uh, you got a new fresh GM in Buffalo, Kevin Adams. He's, uh, he's already been a little aggressive, making some moves. And, um, you know, why not? You know, take your shot, as, as they say. Um, uh, the New York Rangers reportedly are, are one of the teams that have inquired. You'd have to imagine that first overall pick's going back the other way, though. If uh, if the Rangers are making a deal for, for Jack Eichel, because um, realistically, like what 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 do they have to offer at this point? Like they're not they're not going to give back Panarin. They're they're not going to give up one of the the young stud goaltenders. Uh, they've got a couple of RFA's on the back. They end. might give up one of those goaltenders. Well, it sounds like they're buying out Henrik Lundqvist. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, here's here's the thing: is you know. And I'm not saying this is exactly what's going to happen, but but this is the reality of the situation. Is the Sabres don't have a lot of leverage here. Like, as soon as that comes out today that Jack Eichel asked, like, potentially asked for a trade, they lose, they probably lose an asset in that trade already now. Like, the value goes down immediately because the situation could get to the point and... I wouldn't put it past the Buffalo Sabres for it to get to this point, is that they could see a situation here where he just doesn't play. And it'll get a little messy there, but if he wants out that badly, he might just sit out. And of course that, you know, maybe he gets a contract termination, but how is that beneficial to Buffalo? And you know what I mean? Like, it could just get very murky very quickly here. Well, So, so... The the reality is that is that going to happen? No, but it doesn't help Buffalo in a trade negotiation for other teams to know that this guy wants out. If especially right now, the market for him isn't that great, and if this weren't happening during a pandemic, if this weren't happening with a flat cap, I think the market for Jack Eichel's probably a lot better than it is right now. So the thing is, is do I think he's getting traded? No, but it's not so much the they can work this out. I think it's just a situation where I don't know, I don't know how another team can make it work almost as much as I don't know if Buffalo wants to do it. I don't know. Like it might come down to a point. All I'm saying where Buffalo doesn't have a choice. Yeah, um, Bob McKenzie like, he did go on to say that Jack Eichel's agent Peter Fish um, hmm. reports Never that Eichel did not ask for a trade yeah so there's a lot of back and forth here it's up in the air does he doesn't he i'm trying to think who it was but there was someone even within the last year though though where it was like the agent was like ah no he didn't ask for a trade and like literally everyone else was like yeah he fucking definitely did but that's fine like you know i don't think any of us would blame jack eichel if he asked for a trade no 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 he's completely in the right i'm not i'm not i'm not not on the kid's side i'm on the kid's side i want him to get traded I want him to get traded right now while we're doing this. Oh, actually, did you guys see that uh, actually he has been traded to the freaking uh, New York Islanders? Did you guys hear about that? Well, that's uh, GM of the year, Lou Lamorello, there, wheeling and dealing once again. So uh... There isn't a possible trade where the Islanders end up with Jack Eichel that they lose. To, who? who <laughs> they could trade the whole roster. It's better. They're a better team now, I think. 
What's the price tag for Eichel? Oh, I don't fuck. I don't know. Like that—that that goes back to what we were talking about, right? Is like when was the last time we saw a player of that magnitude dealt? So I don't even know what the market even is because you say like the first round pick has to be going or the first overall pick has to be going back. Does it? Like, I, like I don't know that it does because every time we think we know what the market is, the NHL seems to find a way to redefine it. You know what I mean? Like, like what we thought the market was for Taylor Hall ended up being the exact same price for Blake Coleman or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like Tampa gave up more to get Blake Coleman than the Coyotes gave up to get Taylor Hall. And yet Blake Coleman seemed like the better trade than the Taylor Hall trade, even though Tampa gave up more. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the the league has such a weird way of, of, of these trades. We think we know what knows what we think we know what happens. And then we don't. It'd be interesting, um, especially if the Rangers can pull it off, um, just going up and down the depth chart. Like I said, but you got Panarin, uh, you've got a guy in Capo Caco that you kind of expect to turn the corner eventually. The kid's still only 19 at a rough, rough rookie season, but that's to be expected sometimes. You're not always going to have like a, a 40 goal, 50 goal scoring, you know, rookie when, when you're entering the league. Like it, it doesn't happen that often. Um, they've got some good pieces on the back end. They seem set in net one way or the other, um, but it's just what what comes out going back the other way. Like I said, short of that first overall pick, they don't really have a lot to, to offer. That would be the big thing with the Rangers because you, you're not going to trade Zibanejad; yet. He's got a no move. You're not going to trade Kreider. He's got a no move. Um, they just really don't have what I would call the assets that would make sense to send back in a trade to get a guy of Eichel's caliber if you're not trading the first overall pick. So, um, to me, it's 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 got to start there if, if anything is, is going to happen. And um, if I'm Buffalo, I'm... You know what, what? What do I have to lose at this point? Like, essentially Jack Eichel, but... Um, oh, you're going to lose him. Like, <laughs> if I just sit on my hands, he plays for me this year. I have, I've got his contract. I control his rights. If he decides he doesn't want to play hockey altogether, that's nice. Uh, enjoy your time off. I don't. Yeah, and I don't think like he's to me definitely not the type of kid that would do that. Mm-hmm. The only thing is more. I've I've literally never heard of Peter Fish till now. Didn't you? Hadn't even seen that tweet uh, about Peter. I don't know who that is. So I don't know that his agent is necessarily the type that's going to. He might play hard ball. He might not. I I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so, something to keep a, a watch on, I suppose. I'm, I'm not really buying into the narrative that we're going to see Jack Eichel traded, uh, especially not in like what is it the next week? It's 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 next next Tuesday, I believe, is the draft. So uh, t- for something to come together that magnitude that quickly, I, I think is a little far fetched. But uh, hey, uh, it's always nice to have Bobby uh, Margarita back on Twitter uh, spewing out the uh, the rumor mill. Rumor mill because he's uh, better than most. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it was a nice thing to see. I I, I think it would be. I mean, like the biggest trade, like his. Like, Eric Carlson, I guess, when he got traded, might have been, like, the biggest yeah, player we've seen. Yeah, that's a good seen. one. That's a good but, one. like, they didn't, get, they didn't get anything back for him. Because... You know what I mean? I think we all had that sense that he was and that's, wanted out anyway. And that's the thing, and that's kind of where I'm going with this, is, like, I don't know, man. Like, it, like I understand that Eric Carlson hasn't been exactly what the San Jose Sharks signed up for. 
but at the time of him being traded, like he was the best defenseman in the NHL and was a year removed of maybe being the best player in the world. At least in my opinion, he was. So for them to get back what they got back, which is just a bunch of depth pieces, a few of which they like, at least they don't have DeMello anymore. So I don't really know that even if Buffalo were to make a trade, like I don't know that they don't get back one of these uh, just schmozzle sort of uh, packages where it's just a bunch of a bunch of fluff. Where like the, the the Carlson trade, not that I think he's any good, but the Duchesne trade was just a bunch of pieces. Right. And don't get me wrong, Colorado won that trade, but. Um, it might just be a bunch of stuff they get back, and I don't... Like, again, the O'Reilly trade. Like, Buffalo got a, just a bunch of stuff, and uh, I think we can now definitely classify that they actually got a bunch of shit, but, you know. Hmm. Um, moving off from Jack Eichel, uh, a guy that has never made the playoffs in his career, uh, the you? Stanley Cup Finals How dare you? Um, continue to progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we spoke last, uh, and since we spoke, well, last, yeah, they're progressing because the New York Islanders are no longer in them. Am I right, folks? I was—I thought you were going to say they're progressing because they're playing back-to-back nights. Am I right, folks? Um, oh, yeah, that was weird. Uh, yeah. So since we talked last, kind of crazy. Three games have happened, which I, I guess kind of makes sense, but not on the days that they could have taken place. We we got ourselves a, a, a game six going that you will already know the outcome by the time you hear this. So, um, not great timing on our part. And congratulations to the Stanley Cup champions and or the Dallas Stars for forcing game seven. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's like, <laughs> the NHL is the only l- fucking league in the world where they saw this issue coming up with the NFL. And instead of like, starting the finals at a different time to try to avoid it or taking like a two-day break at some point they just figured the smarter idea was to play on back-to-back nights well apparently the players wanted that yeah that's great the players wanted a lot of things a lot of the players didn't want to go to the bubble guess what you fucking made them go so what's another thing at this point if you're telling them what to do like that doesn't make any sense um so that's great like if the players wanted it but because you knew there was no way in hell the NHL was going to play on sunday that's that's football. Day. I guess. I mean, they like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I understand it's all down to ratings at this point. It's just one of those things. It's like you play every other Sunday, play every Sunday of the fucking football season during NFL games. It's just weird when you have people in the building. Right. Right. So you've lost your entire market inside the bubble. They gotta. I, I get it. it. I'm not saying it's ideal, but they they weren't gonna play on Sunday. Um, and then, guess what? Uh, Tuesday is when the fucking uh, MLB playoffs start. So they're, they're trying to get this done before oh, yeah, that no, kicks I get that. off. The, and it's just like, it's it, it just adds to the stupidity of the whole thing for me, though. Because, like, and I'm not saying that this is exactly how I feel, because I don't really think that the back-to-back ended up affecting the result of either of those games. But it was entirely possible where that back-to-back decided the series and honestly it might have like if dallas comes back and wins this series like i don't i don't know maybe you make that argument but it's another one of those things like people are talking about how there is or isn't an asterisk and it's another one of those things it's like well they did play a fucking back-to-back in the stanley cup final which doesn't happen you know what i mean so it's like it's another fucking thing where it's just like looking back on that five years from now it's like yeah dallas won in seven and eh, they probably would have lost in five if there was a fucking day break kind of thing you know 
I understand both teams are on a back-to-back. It's just another fucking argument that we have to add into this year where it's just like, it it is is the outcome of the year affected by how they did things? And yeah, you can make a million fucking arguments why they are, and that's just another thing on top of it. So, I don't know. Like, I get the NHL's doesn't really care at this point, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't take any, any issue with the back-to-back, um, if I'm being honest. Like, I think... I think if, if that's where a team or its fan base wants to, you know, draw their argument from in terms of why we won or why we didn't win, like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we maybe we should be focusing on bigger things here. Like, you know, um, I, I, I think if, if, if you're going to make a, a, like a, the idea that a, a, a back-to-back is going to cause that much of a issue for two professional sports teams facing off against each other where there really isn't a competitive advantage either way it's just kind of a moot point for me at that at that you know like it's not like dallas had an advantage because uh we have three goalies that we're gonna pick from where tampa bay says well if we had an extra day off maybe our captain's playing like you know what i mean like it goes back and forth so far down the list that it to me it just becomes kind of irrelevant. At the end of the it day. does. It doesn't. It doesn't. Like it's just one of those things. Like we we ca- talk constantly about how these guys are out of rest and how these guys need more time off and all this shit. And then all of a sudden that goes out the door because it's convenient in the Stanley Cup final. Like I'm not. Again, I'm just saying. Like if it's one of those things where Tampa's more banged up than Dallas is or whatever, and that's what was the definitive advantage. I'm not saying it was. But it's just like, it, it just, it gets a little inconsistent is my point in this league where we're going to honor all these fucking uh, sports science things, but all of a sudden, you know, like that goes out the door when we're considering how the finals ended up. Like, I know the NHL doesn't care about it. That's why we played on back-to-back nights. But it's like, if you're going to go back and analyze the series, I don't know how you don't consider that at least a factor not to say that it did or didn't affect the outcome of the game, but it is something that I would be interested to hear, you know, maybe some science behind it. Sure. Um, dating back even prior to this uh, back-to-back, uh, we um, we had game... It was actually four weeks ago. Yeah, game three to deal with. Mm. Um, really, only reason I want to bring this up is because we had something very interesting happen, which was... Uh, a certain Steven Stamko show up and uh, put his mark in the series that lasted all two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in you know in that time uh, was able to uh, get on the board and uh, gave the the Tampa Lightning a two nothing two nothing lead uh, about uh, five minutes five seven minutes into the first period. Um, that was probably one of the cooler moments in the Seneca Finals that I've I've seen in the last few years, for sure. Oh, that's one of my favorite goals of all time, for sure. That's top five for me. That was fucked. Uh, the only thing I'm a little worried about is I want to know... Um, I want to know a little bit more about Steven Stamkos' health once the series is over, because I want to know if it's going to be one of those moments, I, like I heard a few people mention it, if this is going to be like a Paul Correa situation where it's just like... Oh yeah, he definitely shouldn't have been playing in that game though. Like that, maybe that's not cool if you know uh, how things happen there. Um, so I, I'm hoping it's nothing that's going to affect his long-term health. I'm hoping he didn't put himself too far into in jeopardy there. But um, for now, what it appears like is they thought he was ready, and then once he got out there, they realized he wasn't. And hopefully, it doesn't affect him long-term. But regardless, I I 
I love Steven Stamkos. I think he's fucking awesome. So that that goal was sick. Stamkos to me seems like the kind of guy that would trade a couple of years at the end of his career for for a cup. Oh yeah, sorry. I maybe I should rephrase. I I hope it doesn't affect his. I just I hope it's nothing like with his head, or it's maybe like a serious situation where he maybe needs to have a surgery that he's not getting, or anything like that that's going to affect uh, his long term health. I don't really give a shit about his career. Like if he doesn't, if if it's something where he can't play through it, but he can live a relatively normal life. Yeah, I think any guy would trade that. Now, you know. do we this 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 injury of Stamkos is to, that we know about uh, goes back to the regular season. Um. To me, I don't recall what the issue. Do, do we like? Do we know what was up prior to the playoffs starting? Uh, well, uh, the uh, okay. I, maybe we were reading different things. My understanding is that this is a completely different injury. Um, so his initial injury was his core muscle surgery that he had, which was the herniated disc or whatever the fuck. Oh, that's right. Uh, that the now. the understanding seems to be that he's dealing with something that happened during his recovery, and there are people that seem to think that he tore his Achilles. Um, which may or may or may not have happened. I don't know. Like I, and then I, then you hear conflicting reports. It's like, holy fuck, he looked really great in those two forty-seven. I'm like, well, no, he looked really slow actually. But um, well, he looked pretty slow until he got the puck in his stick, and then I've very rarely seen a player burst uh, by a defenseman with that type of uh, grace um, as Steven Stamkos did on that goal. Sure, but. I thought he looked really tender, but that's fine. Like it's he got oh, it done. Yeah, I don't give yeah, a fuck. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's if it's the same injury, if it's a different injury, like whatever it is, I'm just hoping it's nothing that's you know, uh, whatever it is. Like I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying I hope that. But I play one on TV. I'm hoping that it's something that he's not like really putting himself at super big fucking risk for anything long term. I don't even know what that means. I just again, I'm hoping that he's fine. Uh, long term in terms of his actual health because that that was the coolest fucking goal uh, ever. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we were one Miro Heiskanen goal away from Steven Stamkos having the game-winning goal in Game 3. The Lightning go on to take that one 5-2, um, which brought us to the doubleheader, as we spoke about a little while ago, uh, Friday night. Uh, Tampa and Dallas back at it. This one goes to overtime. Um, after uh, Dallas blows a uh, two nothing lead in the first period, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, the uh, the the buyout man from from the New York Rangers, um, getting it done in overtime and uh, puts the Lightning up three games to one. At that point, a lot of the narrative at this at this point of the series, I think, turned to how easily it seemed Tampa was, you know, handling the series. You know, it's. It says a lot about a team that they can go up three to one in a series at any any point in the playoffs. But this narrative kind of emerged that that Tampa was really controlling the you know the entire entirety of the series. The the analytics community is pointing out all their numbers, and the eye test is saying you know Dallas just does, doesn't look like they're getting it done. But you know this this game goes to overtime, and as we'd find out uh, in in game uh, five, that game goes to overtime as well. Like Dallas is keeping it close. Despite what the numbers may or may not suggest, um, it's it's not like we're having games here where you know, like against the Islanders, with Lightning coming out and scoring eight, or you know, coming in and shutting out the Dallas Stars. Uh, these these are these have been close games. These have been tightly contested um, all the way, and and you know, 
while I assumed on Saturday night that we would we would be crowning a uh, Stanley Cup champion, uh, Dallas fights back. They get the double overtime winner. A couple of veteran guys getting the goals that night. Perry gets two. Pavelski adds a, a, another one in the third. Um, and this Dallas team is is you know they're putting up a fight. And I say that while acknowledging that Dallas has had to fight. Because, to me, uh, aside from that first game, they've been playing catch-up to a degree through those five games that have uh, followed it. But they're hanging around. And uh, it's, I'm glad to see it because I think no one likes a snooze fest when it comes to the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, like there is one sort of key stat that has actually been a lot closer that kind of... Um, Explains why I don't think Dallas should be necessarily discounted uh, in this series, and the scoring chances actually aren't super far apart. Like the Tampa does have an advantage; it's one nineteen to one hundred two. But seventeen more scoring chances over the course of five games isn't a ton. Like that's really not much. That's three more chances in a night. And if you're able to bury on your chances, and another goalie gets hot, like all I'm saying is that it really doesn't take much for a series to swing the other way if that's the differential. Most series aren't decided by much more than that anyway. But all I'm saying is that, you know, yeah, Tampa Bay's controlled, uh, you know, 60% of the possession pretty much in the series. Like, that's a fucking lot. They've had, some, uh, they've had periods where they are leading the scoring chances. Like, they've had a couple periods where they had like a 95% expected goals or something with like the Kucherov line on the ice like like that's just absurd that's fucked but all I'm saying is that does sort of account for why the series would stay close is that if Dallas is actually getting almost as many really good chances as Tampa Bay is getting they're gonna hang around the series a little bit longer like they're that that doesn't really take them out so is Tampa being as efficient with that possession as Maybe they should be at certain points. It's hard to say. They have been, um, you know, shorthanded, and sometimes it's hard for a team to get back on their feet after said, you know, penalty kills. And I don't, I don't really know. Like it's just, it's weird. But um, they are hanging around. I did like they are still a good team. Like I did take them to win the series, and I understand why they probably won't. But yeah, like the series maybe is a little bit closer than people thought. So Tampa's showing up, playing their game. But Dallas is kind of showing up and playing theirs, and their M.O. is to just sort of hang around. They never really go away. Mm-hmm. You talked about the uh, the shorthanded factor there. Um, another factor that you have to consider, <clears throat> you know, Dallas is not getting the opportunity, like not, sorry, they're not burying their opportunities when it comes to the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, one goal through 16 opportunities uh, through the five games. Um, that's just not, that's not going to be enough. When you get to this level, like you have to capitalize on those chances. When when the other team makes a mistake, um, you have to be able to, to go for it, strike for the jugular, and, and and realize when your team your opponent is at a disadvantage. And and that's one thing that Dallas hasn't done, uh, where Tampa Bay you know kind of has. They've they've aside from um, that first game uh, where Dallas's penalty kill looked fantastic. Uh, you know Tampa has been pretty consistent on the power play the rest of the way and uh only had one opportunity in game in game five that's uh kind of odd and you know like goes back to the 
the battle of words we saw between the the coaches there uh, uh, after game four. But um, um, I, I don't know. Th- those types of things are, are kind of a red flag for me when I see uh, teams that are this deep and aren't able to capitalize on those opportunities. For Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's another one of those things, though, right? Like, how good is Tampa's penalty kill, really? And, and how good is Dallas's power play, really? Because Dallas's power play is a lot of the reason why they've gotten to this point of the playoffs. So is it coming back down to earth, or is this just a blip in the road? Like, I, I understand, but it, I don't... I don't really look at that as a huge red flag anymore, and part of the reason being is just you know, all the years, um, like like Boston, for example, the narrative always in the playoffs was after the first round or so, Boston's power play dis a fucking period every year, mm-hmm. and it was like they would get further and further with not scoring a power play goal for like nine games, and um, I think a, an effective power play can make it more of a dis- more of a difference for a bad team than it makes a difference uh, when it's not going well for a good team, in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but I think it can propel undeserving teams forward harder than it stops teams that are good 5-on-5 five five that maybe are just having issues on the power play. So, like, I don't know. I get it. Uh, it's not helping them. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But- It'd be one thing if their power, like, if their penalty kill was matching you know if if your power play is operating at zero percent but your penalty kill is operating at 100 percent, then who cares it's, it's a moot point it's it's everything's even you, know, you come out clean on the end, end of the day but if your penalty kill is giving up two or three goals a night and then your power play is going out there getting similar number of opportunities and not scoring on those opportunities, yeah. you know that becomes a factor for me. Yeah, the, the big picture. I, I shouldn't have specified solely the power play. This, the, spe- the special teams for Dallas, it's a little shaky for the Seneca Finals, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But in, in, any, in any case, Game Six, like I said, went last night. Um, it's we can't talk about it. Puck drop is literally in like 15 minutes from now. But mm. but what, what do you think? Uh, give us your predictions that are already wrong. Yeah, I guess we should have recorded in a few hours. <laughs> Didn't really think about that. Holy shit. <laughs> what, what are we doing this for right now? Fuck. Um, okay. Wow, that's fucked. Um, wow. Okay, look. like Here's the thing. I said Dallas was going to win the series. I've still been defending Dallas here. I'm just going to fucking take Dallas tonight. Whatever. Okay. okay. Whatever. Fuck That's it. Fine. 4-1 Dallas. Fucking uh, Pavelski again. He's going to show up again. And somehow win himself a con Smythe with the freaking Dallas Stars like we all thought he would uh, in his NHL career. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to go uh, 4-1 Dallas, 1 Pavelski, 1... I'm just going to get really specific with the with the prediction, too, so that way it's, I mean, if you're going to miss, you may as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kiwi Ranta. Um, who who do they have on defense that's kind of not great? Ooh, uh, Jamie Alexiak. And uh, who's a bottom six forward for them? Andrew Cogliano, because he's been terrible in the series. So. Wow. The yeah. vets. Is he even healthy? I don't even know. <clears throat> he didn't play last game. <laughs> okay. Was that a coach's decision? Or... Yep. Okay. 
Uh, oh, wow. All right. So no Cogliano. Let's go. Um, who's definitely on that team? Uh, I'm say Cogliano played. Oh, yeah? Game five. Yeah. That's great. I don't know. Fucking pick a guy. Gurionov. Dickinson? Dickinson. Sure, that's a guy. Dickinson. No, that's the guy I was looking for. Like, a guy that's, like, gonna play, isn't great, isn't horrible. Jason Dickinson. Good. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like, I, I think the winning team, I think they did a lot of things really well in the game. Um, they looked strong. Um, it was nice to see, you know, them put that effort out there and... and and their efforts were rewarded by winning the game, and um, I think uh, I think the goalie, you know, especially the goaltending there, really key uh, for that team. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's uh, it's been it's been a hell of a series. Yeah. Um, whether or not um, we look back and look at this game as being uh, a monumental one. Uh, in the yeah. grand scheme of 2020, I sort of feel like what you're doing right now is just like like if 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 you've seen enough Christopher Nolan movies, you can kind of <laughs> guess how the Christopher Nolan movie goes. It's like, well, there's like a big fucking explosion, and yeah. like the ground sort of goes upside down at one point, and this car does this big flip, but it doesn't really do this flip, and it's kind of a dream, yeah. and it's and sort then, of another then, dimension, but it's actually Michael reality. Kine, he's going to come in and give us some <laughs> sort of you know explanation as to what we think is happening. But it's not really what's happening. You walk into the room, and for some reason, David Bowie just walks out of one of the walls with Tesla coils. Hasn't he been dead for ten years? <laughs> well, not in this particular oh. Christopher Nolan movie, but oh. I guess it's happened okay. in the past. Yeah. <sighs> is there another staple? Like, is there is there another is there another Michael Caine esque guy in in Christopher Nolan movies? I don't really think so. Eh? He doesn't reuse a lot of. Oh, he like he loves Cillian Murphy. That's a yeah, guy. Yeah, he uses. Murphy he a loves lot. Cillian Murphy a lot. Um, He's used Tom Hardy on a couple occasions now. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, another guy. It's for the people. A few times. Uh, oh yeah, I guess I guess he's reused Morgan Freeman too because he was in yeah, Seven and he's in all the fucking Batman, Batman movies. Yeah. Was he in hmm. Tenet too? Isn't Morgan Freeman? Morgan in Tenet? Freeman? Not that I know. I haven't oh, okay. seen it yet. Have you seen it? I have not. No. Uh, I've got a list here. Uh, Christopher Nolan's favorite actors: Michael Caine with eight movies. So you were you were. Mm. Topical. Uh, four movies for Chris, Christian Bale. Actually, five? Four. Four for Christian Bale. Yeah, because I guess he plays Batman. Uh, four for Cillian Murphy. Three for Morgan Freeman. Three for Tom Hardy. Three for, for Gary Oldman, obviously. Uh, two for Kenneth Branagh, I guess. He likes Kenneth Branagh right now. So, yeah. Hmm. That's fun. Marion Cotillard. Um. Fun. Okay, so obviously we're going to move away from the Seneca final a little bit here because... Yeah, so I saw it, Tenet it today. It could be uh, over, it, it might not be over. Uh, you tell us in the comments down below. Um, brutal. Some housekeeping to take care of for on the rest of the league. Uh, Jeff Petrie signs extension with the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Um, I'm going to pull it up because I forgot to do that before I brought up the point. That's uh, four years, $6.25 million per you got year. It. Per year yeah. you, you nailed it. Yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, no movement clause and a modified 15-team no-trade list uh, for your guy, uh, Jeff Petrie and the Montreal Canadiens. Like the deal? For for the Canadiens? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, another thing is, though, is I don't, I don't really... I mean, look, like I think they're getting Petrie at a bargain. But I don't know how well... Like, Petrie's another guy I don't know how well he's going to age. 
because like he's got a little bit more mileage on him than people really realize. He plays a lot of minutes. He has mm-hmm. for a lot of years in a row, and he's not young. Um, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like he's not young. Like I guess, I guess my thought on the deal when I saw it was Petrie maybe is a guy that you could have you could have done like eight years at a discounted cap hit, but instead they kind of let the the cap hit inflate a, a tad to get him. You know what I mean for 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 four years. The biggest thing for me though is just like I would rather sign a guy like Petrie at this rate than go a few million over to get one of your top tier guys that you're not really sure how they're going to age. That's not a specific aim at Petrangelo, but it's just like how many times in the last four or five years has the list of top ten defensemen in the league changed? It changes all the time. Oh yeah. It changes constantly, the, and, and it's part of the reason why everyone considers Victor Hedman to be the best defenseman in the NHL, is because he's the most consistent defenseman in the NHL. Do I think that, height of his powers, he's the most valuable defenseman in the league? Fuck no. But at least you know Victor Hedman is going to be really good most nights, and that's his value, right? So there are guys who bring a little bit more and just aren't as consistent, but the thing with Jeff Petrie is he's fairly consistent, he's fairly good, and uh, he's not signed super long-term at a big deal. So, like, I like the idea that they keep a guy like him around, because I don't really know what to make of their defense outside of him. That's fair enough. Uh, One thing that I'm curious to see about, like, after this deal, because I think it's it's a bad deal. Um, I, I think, like... Well, it goes back to last last week or the week before. Like yeah. you and I, just very much differ on how we look at Jeff Petrie. And it, that's not to say that I don't think he's an NHL defenseman. Like I, I think that he definitely has a spot in the lineup. But like, like the guy's thirty two, maybe thirty three by the time this deal kicks in. You're asking him to go four more years at a raise from his last deal, which I thought I, I you know five and a half like. That's probably what he should have been getting this deal, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So you're giving him a raise, you're giving him a no-movement clause, and, you know, a modified no-trade. You know, this is a deal where I could see it getting real ugly real quick. You know, a year or two from now, the guy takes a step or two back, and all of a sudden this this looks really bad uh, in the big picture. Um, And... There's there's the Seattle equation, you know, you can dangle him for Seattle, but that's only a year away now. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've seen that argument a few times floated around uh, the Twitter sphere about like, well, if it goes bad, you can just get rid of him. Yeah, but you have to make that decision like pretty fucking quick because that's a year from now. Um, the the no movement clause. But I thought, don't you have to protect him now that he has a no trade? You have to protect him. Yeah, you do have to protect him, but. Um, because he has a, a modified no trade, you could, in theory, say to him, like, "Hey, uh, would you be willing to waive your no trade to go to Seattle?" And I, I guess at, at that point, Petrie would have the option. He would have to submit that list of fifteen teams, and you know, maybe maybe Seattle's on that list, and, and they can find something that works. But um, they have to protect. That, that's a good point. They have to protect him now. So. Because um, that's like that's where I'm going back to is just like where Montreal is at. Hilariously, at this point, is with that Seattle draft. They have to protect four defensemen because of no trades. 
Yeah. And those four defensemen are Jeff Petrie, Carl Alsner, Joel Edmondson, and Ben Sherratt. Mm-hmm. It's not good. No. So, um, But that could be your ticket out of the Shea Weber deal. <laughs> Oddly I mean, enough. It could, it could be. It probably won't be, but... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's, it's. I, I definitely agree with you there. I don't think you're wrong, but I guess going back to it, like another reason why I don't mind it, and I'm not that doesn't this doesn't make it a good deal. But where I kind of respect this from is just like Montreal has just doubled doubled down. They they've said that this is this is what we're doing. We're building around our decor, and we're trying to win now with this decor. And I think that's. Um, a large mistake, but um, they've already, you know, commit. They've already con and gotten Edmondson. They've gotten Sherratt. Now they have Petrie Weber. They clearly believe in this group. So if you're gonna commit, sure, just fucking commit to the bed and just do it. Then if the, if this is the way you think you need to do it, try to win now with this group. I get it because if they're trying to rebuild, they're going way fucking backwards. So if they think they're good now, fuck it, double down, I get it. So from that respect, if they're trying to win with this decor, they have to keep Jeff Petrie. If, if we're going to go with that illusion that this decor is really fucking good, they have to keep the only guy on that decor that I actually think is any good. So I get I get it. Like, you know what I mean? You're right, he's older, he's 32, and by the time this deal's done, I don't, I don't think he plays that last year. But um, I, think it's, I think it's fine for now. It's, it's a lower risk deal than, say, signing a, a defenseman for like 15 years or something. They'll be giving him up in the uh, the 2023-2024 um, expansion draft when he goes to the uh, Oklahoma City um, Penguins. Mm. Because Pittsburgh's moved there and they put an expansion team in Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. I saw a really good tweet the other day about someone talking about how in LeBron James's career he's been to more finals than like 27 franchises or something have been in their lifetime or some shit like that. And the response was that, well, yeah, those 27 franchises just can't get up and leave every time things are going poorly. I thought it was good. <laughs> thought it was good. Yeah. Can't just relocate. You can't. Got to stay where you are. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're just stuck. Am I? Am I right, Florida fans? Mm. <laughs> Had you injured like that, didn't you? Yeah. Well, fuck them. What do I, okay. What do we got next year? Let's uh, let's pull up my my good old. Oh yeah, Bobby Ryan got bought out. Uh, or or will be, yeah. No, he's been officially bought out. How um, do you? I don't get how you could be bought out now, though. Um, Have they just? They've just. They've begun that proceeding quicker. Like they've, they've. You're allowed to buy guys out right now. I guess. Why wouldn't you be able to? Well, you normally can't. Before like it's normally before like June fifteenth, but maybe they're allowing it during the playoffs for non-playoff teams because of contract things. I don't know. I I don't know. I I I don't remember there ever being a cap on when you could or couldn't buy a guy. There's out. only two days in a whole year you can buy guys out. You can only buy them out on June 15th and June 30th normally. You can't buy out a contract unless it's a mutual termination other than those mm. days. So, um, yeah, I guess like to, I guess it's day one. I just didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, uh, at least according to Cap Friendly, it's well, a, it's a gonna happen transaction. No okay, there we go. Uh, costing the Ottawa Senators $3.5 million uh, Oof. for the next two seasons and then drops down to one point eight. For the uh, next two seasons after that, they're already still paying Dion Phaneuf's buyout. Ah, 
Um, player Penef. And Marion Gabrick is on the uh, injured reserve list of uh, you know money that they're paying him. So a lot of dead uh, fucking money that Eugene Melnick's going to be spending uh, <laughs> for the next uh, few years. I'm sure he's real thrilled about that. Mm. Um, you, you know what? I, I, I think this was a situation that is probably best for both parties. The Ottawa Senators should not have been paying Bobby Ryan $7 million to play hockey for them uh, at this point. And I think Bobby Ryan deserves to, you know, maybe get back on his feet somewhere else, come in, be an effective third, fourth line player somewhere for maybe a million bucks. You know, like I said, like he, he obviously had some struggles in Ottawa, and this this could be a good thing for him moving forward. But still, kind of odd to see. Um, only I say that only because of Eugene Melnick and his um, proprietary like desire to not spend more money than he has to. The guy probably has never paid for a parking ticket. They don't own James. He doesn't own a car. Um, I don't think I, I. I don't think I realized till right now that the Ottawa Senators were the team that signed Bobby Ryan to that deal. I always thought that they inherited said deal from Anaheim. Shortly, like you know what I mean. He, I thought he signed it and then they acquired him like right after that. But the Ottawa is the team that signed him to that deal, so I have way yeah. less sympathy for them. Uh, given that but yeah. um again i love bobby ryan i think i think he's awesome i've literally i've never not liked him i think he's great and um just a cool dude and i wish him all the best and um yeah you're right like it's 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 a deal that he's he's not worth it anymore even when he's having his best games like he he has shown in the life of that contract that when he's on the guy can make a fu- he can break a fucking game open the problem is that he only does that a few times a year and sometimes in the playoffs, whereas you're paying him to do it on a almost nightly basis and, and he's not making you that money. Um, if if he can rebound and be healthy, because he does have, like aside from his struggles with alcohol now that he's, he's he is sober, but um, he also has like lingering injury problems too uh, in history there. So if he can stay healthy for a team, I think... Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think he's going to be your uh, one-year 800K guy. I think Bobby Ryan is m- probably in the $2 million range, maybe, at a one-year deal. Uh, I think he's a really good depth ad for a team. So, um, we'll see. We'll see where he goes. I'm hoping he... All, all I care about is that he signs somewhere that's in a position to win. That's all I really want to see for that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he could... Uh... He could do that, or he could go back home and play for the Devils. From Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Bobby Ryan in the lineup. Oh, my. Uh, real quick, uh, yes or no, uh, Sen's new logo? Uh, you mean their... Uh, yeah, I've always liked their old logo. Yeah, it's it's good. You like it? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was a, a nice change. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's the superior logo when you take a look at um, you know, the logo that they've had now versus their old logo. It's the better one. So, okay. Yeah. I'm down. I like. I I had a be a GM in uh, in NHL recently with Ottawa, and I always used to wear those black alternates from like 07 kind of thing. Like that was. I just in my head, I'm like, these are their home jerseys. So I've always kind of liked their their. I think they're one team that if they throw it back, which they're doing it, their style still from 2007 still holds up today. You know what I mean? I still think. Their okay. older jerseys hold up well. Okay. There are some other teams where I wouldn't maybe go that route, the Florida Panthers being one of them, but not that their new jerseys look much better. 
Um, speaking of the Florida Panthers, they made a, uh, a deal not too long ago. They brought in a guy by the name <laughs> of uh, Patrick Honkvist from the Pittsburgh cha- uh, Pittsburgh <laughs> Pittsburgh Champions, the uh, Pittsburgh That's right. Penguins, That's right. uh, former Stanley Cup champion. Patrick Hornquist. Uh going the other way in the deal is uh, Michael Matheson. Uh, mm-hmm. Hear about this guy, the defenseman. Uh, he's got a real long contract, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, what is this? Fucking six years left in this fucking thing. Um, real long announcer with a big contract. Real long contract. Uh, one that has the uh, no trade clause that uh, kicks in next season. So I'm, I'm sure Penguins fans are going to have a no issue with that. Um, Oh my god! I don't even know if there's a winner in this deal. Like this, this is not great all around. Like I, I th- th- this is literally to me the the idea of of what Bill Guerin was talking about when he was talking. Uh, I made a move to make a move for Minnesota. Like this, this is literally the definition of well, this guy sucks, but that guy also kind of sucks. Do you want to just trade the two guys that kind of suck because maybe they won't suck for us? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're. you're you're really praying that um, fucking Todd Reardon can find something in Michael Matheson that Joel fucking Quenville couldn't for sure. That that is wild to me. But um, yeah, uh, what'd you what'd you think of the trade? I'll stop. I'll stop rambling. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's not good. Listen, like I, it doesn't. I don't. Okay. I think, yeah, like even Patrick Hornquist doesn't win the deal because he was pissed. I I think that this makes a lot more sense for Florida than it does Pittsburgh. Um, I think that Patrick Hornquist is worth nothing even remotely close to his $5.3 million cap hit. But Patrick Hornquist is a guy that if you put him on your second power play unit and park him in front of the net, a couple goals might go off his shin pad. He is a guy that even though you're paying him way too much money to do so, you can play him like nine minutes of a game that don't really matter and he can kind of hide beside like maybe two skilled fourth line guys and offer something of assistance to the team. And worst case scenario... um, if you put him in the press box years two and three of the deal, or you buy him out after this year, like it, it still makes more sense to me than having Michael Matheson in your lineup every night and paying Michael Matheson almost $5 million to do that. Because I don't think Mike Matheson is worth anything even close to that at this stage. And he was one of those deals. Uh, like I have a hockey podcast and I got to tell you, he's maybe the only instance of a player that I can remember in the last like 10 years where I saw his deal on cap friendly before I knew who he was. And that says something. Um, like right after he signed that deal, I, I had never even heard of him. And I looked up his advanced stats and he was okay. You know, maybe they're paying low to get a guy who's going to boom in a few years. And I got to tell you, he was better before he signed the deal. So I don't really think it makes much sense for Pittsburgh. I think a very bad blue line got worse. And uh, a very scary uh cap situation in pittsburgh got a lot worse 
And I think it's a ridiculously bad deal for Pittsburgh because uh, going back to Patrick Hornfist, at least he's a guy who won cups with you and is a guy who gets along in the room and a guy that you can hide on the ice for nine minutes against skilled fourth-line players and maybe on your second power play unit it fucking goes in off his shin pad. But Michael Matheson's not that guy, unfortunately. Although Florida did play him at forward sometimes, I don't think it was because he was good at forward. I think my favorite thing about this trade is just knowing that Patrick Hornquist's deal with Florida will be up twice as quick as Michael <laughs> Matheson's will be with yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. And here's like here's the thing. Mike Matheson goes into into Pittsburgh and there might there might there's a very real like possibility here that Todd Reardon thinks that thinks that Mike Matheson is like their best left-handed defenseman and is immediately fucking playing with Chris Letang. And I'm not saying that he'll be terrible. He's only 26. You never know. But I have no real reason to believe that Mike Matheson is a guy that can play 25 minutes in the NHL against really good other players. Like, I don't think so. I think it, I think, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. The only, the only thing about it that makes sense is it's Jim Rutherford just doubling down on the, on his, like, very bizarre taste of players. Are <laughs> like, we sure he didn't draft he, Mike Matheson? He, he <laughs> He tra- it's possible. He trades for guys that it's like no one else in the league's fucking looking at. But he doesn't do it in like an Eric Tulski way where it's like, ah, oh, you know what? We're going to fucking, we're going to trade for Tuvo Teravainen. And it's like, well, who gives a shit? And then now he's like a top you fucking forward for them, right? But like, Jim Rutherford does it with weird guys. It's like, I think Eric Goodbranson would be a good trade partner. If, if we were to trade away Tanner Pearson, I think Eric Goodbranson makes sense. Remember when Eric Branson was in uh, was in Pittsburgh? Didn't go that well. So I don't I don't know. I think it's weird. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, the only reason it does make sense is because it's Jim Rutherford. I think my favorite part about the deal was the fact that the deal uh, got held up for like six hours that day. Like it was just like oh like the deal might not go through. They're working on like other issues with the trade, and then finally they're like oh yeah the trade went through. It's not one for one. Uh, Pittsburgh's actually getting Colton Sevier. Like, as if Colton Sevier was the kicker. They were just like, ah, maybe we well, maybe we can't do the deal now. I don't know if I want to throw in Colton Sevier. I know that's not why the deal got held up, but it's just hilarious that that was, um, that that was like, the, the resolution to when the deal was finally done. The reason the deal got held up, did you hear about this? Yeah, he was lost. Was that, that was that the, neither team could get a hold of Patrick Hornquist to inform him that he had been traded. Uh, to get him, because he had to sign off, because he had a no-trade clause. That's fucking hilarious to me. That's so good. Pretty funny. And then, and no wonder he was pissed, because he was probably out at fucking, you know, Top Golf or something like that, you know, and comes back uh, from Top Golf and golf. finds out that that's what happened, you know? He was having a nice day. He was pissed. Top Golf. Uh, I think that that's a place to go. I don't know if they the, have it in the NHL. Top um, Golf in Pittsburgh. Defenseman Mark Stahl sent by the New York Rangers to the Detroit Red Wings, uh, along with a second round pick. In exchange for um, nothing, uh, nothing, nothing was nothing was given back to New York by Detroit. At least right now, uh, for now, Mark Stahl to Detroit for nothing. Um, that's uh, the second Stahl traded in as many podcasts. So that's that's fun. Mm. Uh, should Jordan be worried? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen him play hockey lately? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's definitely worth noting that um, Top Golf in Pittsburgh is located at 400 Presto Saigon Road in Bridgeville, Pennsylvania, and is open until 11 o'clock on Mondays. So, if you're this interested, week's sponsor. Yeah, this week's sponsor. Actually, no, uh, this week's sponsor is uh, Smoke and Mirrors Media. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, yeah, I don't. That is that's uh, that's the smoke and the mirrors. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I, I, you know, when I was talking to, uh, I was talking to people about this Mark Stahl trade, and it was just like, the, the genuine reaction was just like, you know, the did the Rangers really have to trade him? Like, he has one year left, and like, it just, it gets a little tough to talk to people in Thunder Bay about people that we all have connections to, because it's just like, no one, no one, no one's wishing ill against any of these Thunder Bay guys. Like, we all want these guys to do well. But... You know, like, at a certain point, we can admit that Mark Stahl's not a productive NHL defenseman anymore. Like, he, he, he isn't. He, he's he's a great guy, and we all love him, and he was uh, arguably, like, one of the best defensive defensemen in the league at one point. But he was never a fast player. The game's gotten quicker. He had a what should have been a fucking career-ending eye injury and is somehow still playing in the NHL, which I think, in and of itself is fucking insanity that he is actually still around and is like, yeah, he is good enough to play in the league, but he's not like, he's a third pairing defenseman at best at this stage. Right. So, um, to see him get traded. Well, not in Detroit anyway. Uh, well, yeah, no, he's going to play major minutes in Detroit, but, um, yeah, the, the thing with Mark Stahl is he had one of the worst seasons of any defenseman in the NHL this year, analytically. And the Rangers are moving forward, and Detroit is going to still be bad next year. So if they're looking to pay someone, they'd rather pay someone with a good attitude that has a lot of NHL experience, that's been to a cup final, that can maybe help move some of these young guys further than to pay, you know, AHL guys who don't have any experience and have only ever been in a Calder Cup final. And it's like, you know, like Mark Stahl has a lot to offer that team in that sense. So for them to get a second round pick and a guy with experience to eat up cap space that they weren't going to spend anyway, it's a great move for Detroit in that sense. It's a move the Rangers had to make because again, they're trying to move forward. They're trying to make their team better. So they have to shed some cap uh, from somewhere. And why not start with a salary that you're getting almost none of its worth out of it. So uh, I think it honestly, as much as it is a weird trade, good trade for both teams a good trade this i think to me only furthers the expectation that we're gonna see henrik lundqvist bought out at some point here um because there's only one deal left in this on this contract for mark Stahl. like if i'm the rangers like i've got enough cap room i can i can probably just afford to bury him you know play him 20 games if i have to you know he can he can be the guy that comes in when someone's not feeling up to up to speed that night but um, yeah, uh, one year left, so we're gonna gonna see how it how it works out in Detroit. I guess maybe, maybe it's a bounce back season. You never know. Like you go to Detroit, we've seen this all the time. A guy comes from a third pairing situation on a mediocre team, and he goes to a really bad team where like, hey, you're gonna be the guy, and we're gonna kind of lean on you as our defense, you know, core, uh, and show the kids how to do things. And then Mark Stahl could go out there and have like. A twenty-point season, and you know, going to free agency the year later, and you know, he won't ever make the kind of money he's making now. But he might get another contract in the NHL and play another few years, and 
you know, ride into the sunset, theoretically. Um, I mean, Mark Stahl's way older, but, like, we, we all thought Luke Shen was done, and Luke Shen's sure. playing, like, major minutes in a Stanley Cup final right now, so. I, yeah. I, I guess you never know for sure, but I, I do fail to see how Mark Stahl does bounce back in in the sense that he's around much longer. Oh, uh, because NHL GMs are really easy to fool. That's That's how. Yeah. Did you hear about this, folks? Patrick Hornquist for yeah. Michael Matheson yeah. and Colton Sevier. Yeah, not only did someone trade for uh, Mike Matheson, someone else gave Mike Matheson an eight-year contract. So, yeah, yeah NHL GMs, not not the smartest. Um, breaking news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Bugner, uh, the new-ish head coach of the San Jose Sharks, um, after leaving the San Jose Sharks a few years seasons ago to oh. uh, be the head guy in Florida, uh, he returned this year as an assistant with San Jose, um, and uh, swiftly was named head coach uh, a week ago um, for some reason. No, look, I I don't know. I I, I don't think it's the worst move. Um, it's not great, obviously. Probably, it's better know. than naming Mike Keenan your coach, but I don't know if it's that much better. I'm just thinking like along the terms of like you didn't get Laviolette, you know, you, you didn't get. So and so, like who else is out there? Bruce Bruce Boudreaux, who's not coming to San Jose, and uh, Gerard Gallant, who is definitely not fucking coming to San Jose. Like, no, that's about it. Like, unless unless you want to get really creative and, or you know, I'm sure Randy Carlisle's not doing anything. If you want to, you know, shake that guy's tree and and, and see if he's Ooh, still. What do I think would be worse, Carlisle or Bugner? That's oh, interesting. It's a real easy answer. Uh, it's uh, Randy wow. Carlisle. That's interesting. I think that it's just it is it is weird. Like I think Bugner's a guy that maybe in five years or something, if he proves that again, like maybe he can be a head coach in the league. You know, having learned more in terms of his coaching, the game maybe changes a little bit. I think maybe it makes sense. But you've seen very recently that this guy is not a good head coach in the NHL. And you've not only seen it from another team, you've actually seen him run the exact fucking roster that he's about to run next year and do it horribly. So um, he is a guy that I just I just think, like there there's, I can, I can think of what I think are a dozen better candidates and he gets the job. So I, I think it's a little strange. But there's a familiar familiarity factor in San Jose. Uh, you know, Doug Wilson, I guess, likes him. Hasso Platner maybe even likes him. Like, I, I don't know. But uh, there, are, there are guys that uh, noticeably make their team worse. And in recent memory, Bob Bugner's one of them. So I just think it's strange that mm-hmm. he just gets another opportunity because... Um, like even Elaine Nasruddin would have made more sense to me because I think he did a better job in New Jersey than Bob Bugner's done anywhere. Yeah, and uh, even he, like Nasruddin, wouldn't even be in my top ten, I don't think. But that's at least a guy who coached last year, where it's like he did he did a better job than Bugner did. I I, I think like I don't know I I definitely I see Bugner's shortcomings. Like he he hasn't been great. Um, I think he did better with Florida than people give him credit like you know uh if you're getting 40 would, you, would you care to elaborate on that getting 44 fucking wins of the florida panthers uh, is uh, no no you know easy task by by any stretch so 
Um, you know, like I, I think it. I think he gets a worse rep than he deserves. I'm not sitting here saying he's a great head coach. There's, there's, there's something here. I, I, I feel I could be wrong. Uh, he gives me a, you know, he gives me a lot of Gerard Gallant feel Ugh. when Gerard Gallant busts in the league. Uh, look, it, we we would have been saying the exact same thing if we had a podcast in 2004. Uh, Gerard Gallant would have been uh, the guy that we were ragging on right now about how bad a head coach this guy was, and you know he comes back and. Yeah, but the, the thing with Gerard Gallant though is Gerard Gallant never had good teams. Like he he coached he coached Columbus with sure he had fucking Jonathan Huberto and Alexander Barkov and uh, what we now think is a good defenseman and Aaron Ekblad and like uh, of course he had the star Michael Matheson. And like, but he had the pieces that are already there in Florida, and all of a sudden Joel Quenville comes in and makes them like a respectable team, despite the fact of them having horrible goaltending. And Bob Bugner had horrible goaltending, and I like I'll, that's one of the reasons why I'll defend him partially. But they may have had bad goaltending because of Bob Bugner's system too. Like I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like I feel like the Florida Panthers had a relatively decent roster the time that Bugner was there. And they were in the bottom half of the league in most analytics stats. And I just, like, I don't see why that would be. And all of a sudden they fire the coach and they bring in uh, Joel Quenville and a goalie who does terrible and a defenseman who does terrible. And they were still better this year. I mean, like, Gerard Gallant got fired from that same Florida Panthers the year before. Like, what are we talking about? It's well, the same roster. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm also going to say that it's not a great organization. Well, that, that goes without saying as well. <laughs> yeah, it's but not very well run. But I, I, I think Bob Bugner would have been better served to go down to the AHL or, or go back to the OHL and you know take a take a job down there, get some traction under his feet, have a little bit of success. Um, and then, I mean, no matter what, like back. I can definitely under I can definitely sympathize with the idea of like someone gives you a fucking NHL head coaching offer and you take it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, it, hey, all your shits uh, here in San Jose. Do you want a job here in San Jose? So exactly. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Like, if he if he gets offered this deal, and and he says yes, and say he goes out there and he does what I think he's going to do, and probably man maybe get fired after this season, and he probably never runs an NHL bench again, right? But what if he goes down to the AHL and does good or bad, but then never gets the knock again? Then at least this is a. At least he actually got this second opportunity. What if he goes down to try to make the most of his next opportunity, and then he never fucking gets one? Like, how long did it take Dallas Eakins to get back in? When is Todd Nelson gonna get his fucking second opportunity? Never. Like, how long did it take Bruce fucking Cassidy to get back in the league? Like, I I completely understand it. I'm not saying he shouldn't have taken the job. I'm saying that no one in their right fucking mind should have offered him this job. It's a fucking ludicrous hire to me. It's insane. It's the same fucking shit that everyone got mad about with Lindy Ruff, but at least Lindy Ruff is one of the best coaches of the last 30 years. Bob Bugner is one of the uh, best six defensemen of the last 30 years, but that's... Uh, that says more, like, you know, I don't have anything to say about his coaching that's necessarily positive. Best six defenseman. Yeah, he was solid, I think, wasn't he? He was good. Uh, yeah. Like, he looked 630 games. He never, never played major never minutes played in those years. Season. No, exactly. He's six, <laughs> six, seventh defenseman. That's all he was. All right, yeah. Um, okay. The, it's the... It's Kept the, leaving teams at the wrong time, I'll tell you that. the end of the playoffs. Uh, we're going to hear a lot of stories about how... Uh, 
players, uh, you know, they, they leaned on each other as teammates and and so-and-so, uh, you know, led by example. Um, so today, I'm going to let one of our teammates lead by example. And I got a quiz for you, for you, Brutes. Oh, God. Um, Is this put together by members of the 2009-2010 Current River Comets? No, uh, it, it's a quiz, but I didn't make it. Um, this is from Sean McIndoe on The Athletic. And uh, he had a Stanley Cup final quiz that he put up. Oh, it was for a second. I'm like, how did you, how did you get him to do? <laughs> uh, joining us now, special guest uh, Sean McIndoe. Well, it's know. cold. It's cold here in Ottawa. <laughs> um, I need to work on my McIndoe. Give me some time. That's, that's understandable. It's a hard. I've never, I've never had to do it. <laughs> it's a hard uh, voice to to get for a guy that was born in Australia, then grew up in northern Canada. So, yeah, it's a tough dialect. To really hit. Well, it was hard because I uh, I had to I had to drive my wife to work and then I sit around for eight hours all day, so it was hard to find time. You, you've 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 almost got the the right tone. Uh, the sp- you're way too fast. Uh, McIndoe is a very slow speaker. <laughs> very methodical. Yeah. It's like watching you eat a fucking bowl of spaghetti. Exactly. Um, in any case, uh, he he wrote a, a Stanley Cup final. When quiz. you when you do leftover spaghetti. Uh-huh. Do you do it? Do you do it on a plate or do you do it in a bowl? Uh, whatever's clean. I don't have. Okay. A, I don't well, have well, a... well, say there's both. Do you do you only have one clean dish at a time? You can do dishes before it gets to that point, bro. Well, sure, I can, but sometimes you don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. Like, I never I paid shit. attention to your sink. Do these sometimes dishes I just eat pile it out up? Buy cell container that it comes in the fridge. The, like, the buy cell. Buy cell. Buy cell. Buy cell. Beckel. Whatever Beagle. you want. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like fecal. More of a parquet guy myself. Yeah. Um, so I took this quiz. Uh, I went uh, 8 for 16. Uh, so we're going to see how you do. So, uh, Holy I, shit. I, 16 I, questions. 16. Uh, you got 16 wins to win the Stanley Cup. You got 16 questions. 16 candles. Yeah, exactly. So how long is this quiz going to take? Like, uh, like are, are we here oh, another about, hour? Or oh, what? two hours for sure. Holy yeah. shit. No, we'll run It's through. a good thing that it shows... The length of the podcast when people are listening to it because if they heard that but didn't know how much <laughs> was left they wouldn't get through this yeah, sentence throw their phone at the wall yeah um okay are, are you ready sure yeah i gotta be ready at something all right uh question one edmonton's chris pronger was awarded a penalty shot against carolina in 2006 remember this remember the, this fucking penalty shot uh, chris pronger, chris pronger took a penalty shot to uh, one of just 13 times in NHL history uh that that has happened mm-hmm what was unique about Pronger's attempt? Uh, was it A, it was the only one awarded to a defenseman? B, it was the only one awarded in overtime? C, it was the only one awarded to a visiting team? Or D, uh, he was the only player to score? Uh, defenseman, A. Defenseman. Answer A. Uh, question two. You'll get the answers at the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. I already know I'm one for one, so. Okay. Um... As captain of the Detroit Red Wings, Steve Yeisman had the honor of accepting the cup and choosing who'd receive it next on three occasions. Hmm. 97, 98, and 2002. Who did he never choose? What was notable about those three handoffs? Uh, he chose the same player all three times. Hmm. All three handoffs went to future Hall of Famers. He never gave the cup to an active player. Or all three players he chose were traded the following offseason. I'm going to I'm gonna go C. He never, he gave, never gave it to an active, to an player, active player because I'm pretty sure Konstantinov was one of them, and he, that's the only category that Konstantinov falls into. Well, unless he gave it to Konstantinov all three times, 
Wait, no, did Konstantinov play one of the years? I'm, I'm... Ooh. No, I'm going to stick with my answer. Okay. Never gave the coach an active player. Yeah. Uh, question three. The 1948-49 Maple Leafs swept the Red Wings in the final. To this day, that Leafs team remains the last Stanley Cup champion to... A, go undefeated in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. B, replace its GM immediately after winning. That'd be fucked. C, finish the regular season under five hundred, Or D, not allow a goal in the final. Oh, God, I don't know. B sounds just too bizarre. But the only team that would ever have something that bizarre would be the Leafs. Uh, like the, that's the only, that is the Man. only franchise and instance of a franchise where it's like, yeah, I could see them having Man, fired Mr. fucking Smythe, you know, you, you got it done this year. You got us the Stanley Cup, but we're going to have to let you go, okay? Oh, so sorry about that. Bye-bye now. I liked your Mac and Dough. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm, I'm going to go... The only, the only team to not allow a goal in the final. The only team to fire their GM. What were the other two? Uh, go undefeated in the playoffs. Undefeated in the playoffs. Or finish the regular season under 500. I... Ah, that that also feels very leafy. I'm going to go uh, the only team to finish the season under 500. Okay. Uh, question, what is this? Fucking four? Four? Yeah. Um, which player led the NHL in scoring during Stanley Cup final action during the 2010s? So that decade... What player led the NHL in Stanley Cup final scoring? In the 2010s? In the 2010s. Okay. Patrick Kane, Daniel Briere, Sidney Crosby, or David Krejci? Can't possibly be D, can it? Um, Krejci went to uh, three Cup finals. Briere, I feel like he's only been in one. Crosby went to two. But it's possible Briere got like fucking 40 points in that final and still lost, I guess. Because I think he's only been in the one. Who the fuck else would he have gone to win with? I feel like I'm analyzing the wrong player. Um, I my my first thought before you gave me any names was Patrick Kane, so I'm gonna go with Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. Okay. Uh, the 1979-80 Islanders were not an especially good team at the midway mark of their season. <laughs> Question six. <laughs> but turned things around thanks to their famous trade deadline acquisition of Butch Goring. Mm. That helped launch their dynasty. Which of the following is true about the 1980 Cup team? Butch Goring won the Conn Smythe despite finishing fourth in team scoring. Butch Goring won the Conn Smythe despite missing the opening series due to injury. Butch Goring won the Conn Smythe becoming the first mid-season acquisition to ever do so. Or Butch Goring did not win the Conn Smythe. i got to tell you, James, I don't know anything about Butch Goring. Uh, he was treated uh, like you, you mentioned. You mentioned this famous midway acquisition. I'm like, great. I thought he played his whole fucking career there. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I. He is one player I have just never fucking studied anything about. I have no fucking idea anything about his career. So well, let me give you a hint then. Okay, sure. He did win a Conn Smythe. Yeah, but they won four cups. Yeah, I feel like he probably won this one. Like I don't know. It just seems like a fucking waste of a question. Um, so I, I don't know. Give me the options again. Uh, he won it despite finishing fourth in team scoring. Won it despite missing the opening series. No, I'm going to go fourth in team scoring. Okay. That's probably right. Yeah, that just seems like a thing. <laughs> Justin Williams holds the NHL record for most points in Game 7 situations. Wow. And has played in nine such games. Wow. How many of those came in the Stanley Cup Final? Zero, one, two, or four? 
It's not zero. How many of those games came in the Stanley Cup final? How many game sevens of a Stanley Cup final has he been in? How many points does has he scored in oh. game seven of a Stanley oh, Cup final? Oh, of a Stanley Cup final. Well, it's, it's not zero. <laughs> I think he's only played in the one because he's only won... He's only won three cups, only. Two of the years they didn't get to one. Did he lose in Game 7 of a cup final? I don't think so either. So I think it's just the one. He certainly got the empty netter. I feel like he had another one. Two was an option? One, two, or four. Uh, I think we can eliminate four. And it was points. Yeah. I'm going to go... I'm going to go two. Two. Yeah. I'm going to say he got an assist on one of the other goals in that game. Okay. Uh, Next question. I know a lot about that cup final, and I'm kind of annoyed that I actually don't definitively Mm -hmm. know the answer to that one. But Uh, Calgary fans, such as uh, our good friend Mike Warren, Mm -hmm. uh, still insist that Martin Gellin has scored what (laughs) would have been the cup-winning goal against the Lightning in Game 6 of the 2004 final. Get over it already. Which Flames winger led the rush that created the opportunity that Jelen is oh, almost for buried? Fuck's sakes. Jerome Ginla, Oleg Saprikin, Chuck Kobasu, or Chris Simon? You know what's more annoying about that? Is I, I don't think I was watching this game recently, but I've watched enough of, like, before the bubble started, they were re airing all these old NHL games, and I watched a ton of the Flames run. And they almost never changed their lines that entire run. Mm but I can't fucking think. It was Conroy Aginla. I don't think he was on a line with Jelena. So Aginla may have been out there, but I feel like it's wrong to pick Aginla because I don't think they're on the same line. Uh, I feel like Saprikin was the other winger with Aginla most of that run. I don't think it's Simon. What are my other choices? What's Chuck, my other Chuck choice? Chuck Kobasu. I'm going to go Chuck Kobasu. Okay. Be, again, a really weird answer, but... Uh, the Montreal Canadiens' legendary run of 10 straight overtime wins sure. propelled them to a Stanley Cup in 1993. Which Hab had two sudden-death winners in that year's final? Hmm. Was it Eric Desjardins, Jean Leclerc, Paul DiPietro, or Kirk Muller? I don't think I know who Paul DiPietro is. Um, no relation to Rick. Hmm. That's good. How about to Mike? Hmm. Who's to say? <laughs> um... Jelena, Leclerc, or Kirk Muller are my other options. Now, De- I, De- Desjardins. What did I say? Jelena. Sorry. I, yeah, I was thinking Desjardins, though. Desjardins, I, I, sounds right to me, but Kirk Muller does have a decent amount of OT goals uh, to his credit, I believe. Like, I, I think he's got, like, five or six in his NHL career. Like, he's got a lot, I feel like, but I could be wrong on that, too. He was just always regarded as, like, a playoff guy, right? Mm. Uh, I'm going to go Desjardins, though, I think. Okay. I think that's just... Uh, I know he had one, so... Okay. Uh, you're halfway there. Ugh. Question nine. What energy. Which member of the 86-87 Oilers did not finish that year's cup run with more playoff goals than Wayne Gretzky? Is it Issa Tikkanen? Did or didn't? Didn't. Kent Nielsen? Shouldn't they? Marty McSorley? Or Glenn Anderson? So the other three did finish? Yes. It's fucked. Uh, Essa Tikkanen, Kent Nilsson, Marty McSorley, or Glenn Anderson. These were all members of the Oilers? Yeah, man. Not- notable ones. Yeah, well, I didn't know. I didn't think Kent Nilsson was on the team at that point. Um, okay. 
I mean, uh, maybe it would have been a, a trick question, but I guess not. Didn't Anderson, Nelson, Teakin, and who? McSorley. Nah, it feels like the obvious answer. Let's go, uh, let's go Glenn Anderson. Okay. Yeah, in the, uh, in the 1970s, the Philadelphia Flyers became the first team in NHL history to do this in three straight seasons. Win the Stanley Cup, have a player win the Conn Smythe, be eliminated from the playoffs in overtime, or win a Game 7 as a road team. I can't be a... I don't, well, I could be, but I don't, I don't see how. Win the Conn Smythe sounds right. Because I feel like they are an instance of a team that has a guy who won the won the Conn Smythe in a year that they lost. And I don't think they won three in a row. But I have a hard time remembering three in a row of them winning a con smite. I just feel like they have a guy who... Game 7 on the road makes sense, considering series didn't go to Game 7s, like, you know, in the fucking 1810s. Uh, 1910s, sorry. So, uh, not a lot of Game 7 experience for fucking Dit McCleese clan. Um... I'm gonna go win the con Smythe. It just felt it just sounded right when you okay. said it, so Okay. Alright, we all remember the moment when Joe Sackick handed the cup directly to Ray Bork and chose no one. Snowblower Joe. But once he was done skating with it, which future Hall of Famer did Bork give the cup to next? Uh, he actually didn't give it to anyone. He skated off the ice and <laughs> everyone joined he him. He just left. <laughs> <laughs> there was no lap that year from the rest of the team. Uh was it Rob Blake, Patrick Waugh, Peter Forsberg, or Joe Sackick? Rob Blake. Rob Blake. I don't... I, I'm not... Oh, wait. Or Joe Sackick was the fourth option? Blake, Waugh, Forsberg, Sackick. Yeah, he might have given it back to Sackick. Like, that sounds like a thing. Because Sackick gave it right to Bork. Like, he didn't He didn't take a moment. He literally just grabbed it and skated right to Bork. Would Bork have given it back that quickly? Like, I feel like Bork would have been in such a state that maybe he didn't know what was going on around him. Blake Sackick, sounded Sackick right. already had his cup, right? That's why That's he was so true. quick to give it to Bork. That's true. I'm going to go Rob Blake. It was my first You're instinct. Gonna go I'm going to go Rob Blake. Okay. At just 35 years old, rookie head coach Al McNeil took over the Canadiens bench midway yeah. through the 70-71 season oh, yeah. and led them to a surprise cup win. My guy. As a reward, when the season ended, he was... Given the highest salary in NHL coaching history at the time, promoted to the dual role of coach and GM, offered a significant raise to jump ship to the Bruins, or fired. I'm going to go with D there, uh, my guy. Fired. Yeah. All right. In the highest scoring 1991 final between the Penguins and North Stars, who was the only Pittsburgh forward to play in all six games without scoring a goal? That's awesome. Mario Lemieux, Yarmer Yager, Joey Mullen, or Phil Bork? I feel like I remember a Lemieux goal. Something about a Lemieux goal during that series. Um, Lemieux. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I heard something about that. Um, what a goal! What a move! And I feel like Yager had a fucking crazy one too. But but this seems like a question that Sean. See, like here's the thing: is I know Sean. You're playing the quiz. Master I don't know him personally, but like I do think Sean has tendencies in his writing to kind of throw your casual fan under the bus a little bit. And Yager just seems like one that is in there to throw you off the scent. 
but Joey Mullen could be too. I feel like Phil Bork's the obvious answer, so it's not him. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Yarmir Yager. Okay, it just feels like uh, I'm just literally. I don't even think it's him. I think it might be Mullen, but I think that that's the thing Sean did. Okay. So, all right, Henry Richard's cup-winning goal in 1966 was the only one from that decade that came in overtime. Hmm. But should it have counted? To this day, old-time yes Red or no? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Do you have footage? No. To this day, old-time Red Wings fans claim the goal was swiped in by Richard's glove. Deflected by a high stick, the result of an offside play, kicked in during a goal mouth scramble. <laughs> goal mouth what? scramble. Uh... Swiped in with a glove, deflected by a high stick, offside, or kicked in. I don't even know if this is true. I just feel like it's quite possible that the fucking stick rule wasn't even a thing back then. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. And I feel like fans back then wouldn't really have noticed unless it was, like, super blatant, even if it was a rule. Offside's sort of the same thing, but it makes a little more sense. Uh, swiped in by a glove, again, I don't know if they really would have noticed that, but kicked in, I, as far as I know, has been a rule since the dawn of time. Um... <laughs> since di- dinosaurs roamed the earth, <laughs> kicking the puck into a net was against the law. I'm going to go, he kicked it in. <laughs> right. From 1995 to 2003, the Devils won three cups in nine years, and all three came with dynasty. different coaches. Which Hall of Famer did not win a Stanley Cup as Devils head coach? Is it Larry Robinson, Jacques Lemaire, Lou Lamorello, or Pat Burns? Did not win one as head coach. Yeah. Larry Robinson, Jacques, Jacques Lemaire, Lou Lamorello, or Pat Burns? It's, it's, it's Lou Lamorello, right? Well, I'm asking you. Yeah. Okay. It, Larry Robinson's one of those ones where I know he was the coach that year, but I forget if he was the guy who got fired or the guy that took over like with like 10 games left. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think... Lou, Lou was never the head coach for a cup-winning cup winning Devils, I don't think. Okay. I hope not. Is that your answer? Yeah. Okay. I feel like... I just feel like I would have heard constant jokes over the last 15 years about how he's a Stanley Cup-winning coach. You know? Okay. Alright, uh, this is the last question. Few Canuck fans will ever forget Roberto Luongo giving up eight goals in Game 3 of the 2011 Final. But while the game was a nightmare, it actually left Luongo in some decent company. Of the 13 times a goalie has given up seven or more goals in the Stanley Cup Final, ten were by Hall of Famers. Which goalie never gave up that many goals in a Cup Final? Patrick Waugh, Glenn Hall, Tony Esposito, Ken Dryden. Tony Esposito is in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, yes. Didn't remember seeing his plaque there when I was there. <laughs> Seven years ago. It probably um, should have been right next to Phil's. Nice. <laughs> Alphabetically, anyway. Nice. <laughs> hey, Tuts! Um, like, it's just like, it, I feel like it has to be Ken Dryden. Patrick Waugh laid some fucking eggs in the playoffs. <laughs> like, I'm not, I know he's one of them. Well, uh, I got caught hot-dogging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Glenn Hall, like, again, sure. Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go Ken Dryden. Like, I just, I don't. Okay. When would that have happened, you know? Never gave up ten. Or eight, I should say. All right. I don't think I'm he gave submit up Submit your answers, and we're going to see what, how you did here. Uh, you hear Brutes? The site to give me my answers. 
Uh, I feel like it's a good time to uh, advertise the athletic. Uh, All right, question one was uh, Edmonton's Chris Pronger was awarded a penalty shot against Carolina in 2006, one of just 13 times in national history that's happened in the Stanley Cup final. What was unique about Pronger's attempt? You answered uh, it was the only one awarded to a defenseman. The correct answer was he was the only player to score. Um, the penalty shot was awarded when Nicholas Wallin put his hand over the puck in the crease, meaning the Oilers could choose any player to take it, and they chose wisely. That's Chris Pronger. He's the only player to score a sh- uh, penalty shot goal in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, question two. So, that, like, there is a sound bite, but I might just be forgetting it. Maybe he was only the, like, the second one t- defenseman to get a penalty shot. Because I remember they made a big deal about how he was the... But I, th- I could have swore it was the only defenseman. I think Bobby Orr had one back in the uh, back in the day. That's fucked. But uh, Pronger definitely scored. He de- I can tell you that. I know that. I know that. All right. Uh, as captain of the Detroit Red Wings, Steve Asman had the honor of accepting the cup and choosing who'd receive it next on three occasions. What was notable about those handoffs? Uh, you answered he never gave the cup to an active player. That was correct. Nice. You got it. Uh, Yasmin gave his first handoff to owner Mike Illich in 1997. Oh, nice. Vladimir Konstantinov in 1998. And the first handoff went to a laced-up Scotty Bowman in 2002 as he took the cup for a skate. Oh. There you go. I was trying to figure out when we had Scotty Bowman on the podcast, but... Uh, in 1948-49, Maple Leafs swept the Red Wings in the final. To this day, that Leaf team remains the last Stanley Cup champion to... You answered, finished the regular season under 500. That was re- correct. Nice. Uh, Hap Day led his team to 22-25-13. Um, garbage Before team. winning the Stanley Cup that spring. Uh, which player led the NHL in scoring during Stanley Cup final action in the 2010s? You said Patrick Kane. Uh, that is correct. He had 16 points, three more than Krejci and Bergeron. Um, Crosby and, and Breer not even in the, the top three. So okay. there you go. Uh, the 79-80 Islanders were not especially good. This is the Butch Goring question about uh, what was so fancy about that uh, 80s uh, top cup team. You said he, uh, Butch Goring won the consmite despite finishing fourth in team scoring. Uh, while he may have finished fourth in team scoring, I, I, I don't have that information pervy to me, uh, he did not win the Conn Smythe that year. Okay. Uh, he won it the following season um, after playing the complete year with the Islanders. Uh, Justin Williams holds the initial record for most well, One points. more reason for me to dislike the Islanders now. In Game 7, situations in his played at 9, how many of those came in the second final? You said 2. Correct answer was one. He had the, the lone goal mm. in that Stanley Cup finals with the Hurricanes, the empty netter, of course. Uh, Calgary Flames still insists Martin Jelena would have scored the cup winning goal in 06, uh, sorry, in 04 in game six. Uh, which Flames winger led the rush that created the opportunity? You said Chuck Kobasu. Uh, we were looking for a former 11th overall pick, Oleg Saprikin, hmm. who put the puck on the net. What was he doing out there? Well, you know, maybe his line change or something. Mm, yeah. yeah, that happens. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens' legendary run of 10 straight overtime wins propelled them to a Stanley Cup in 93, which Hab had two sudden-death winners in that year's final. You said Eric Desjardins, who definitely had one, but Jean Leclerc had two. Mm. Uh, games three and four, giving the Habs a 3-1 to one series lead. Which member of the 86-87 Oilers did not finish that year's Cup run with more playoff goals than Wayne Gretzky? You said Glenn Anderson, future Leaf. Uh, the correct answer was Marty McSorley. Uh, as Gretzky had only five goals that year in the playoffs, uh, but he had enough assists bump. to uh, win the scoring race anyway with 29. So mm. Seems like a lot. <laughs> uh, 
in the 1970s, the Philadelphia Flyers became the first team in NHL history to do this in three straight seasons. You said have a player win the Conn Smythe. And that was correct. After Bernie nice. Perrant went back-to-back in 74-75, Reggie Leach won it in 76. Yeah, uh, he, and he's the guy. Yeah, he's the, the only, guy. Like, the I knew he won one of them, but yeah. I didn't know if they did it on a year read. They won or lost. Cool. Only, only non-goalie to do it. Uh, we all remember the moment. I, the reason I remember that, too, kind of, is because it's the only thing I know about Reggie Leach. Nice. <laughs> uh, we um. all remember the moment when Joe Sackett handed the cup to Raymond Bork. Raymond Bork! Uh, in 2001, but once he was done skating with it, which future Hall of Famer did Bork give the cup to next? You said Rob Blake. Uh, Rob Blake was after this guy. Uh, Bork gave the cup back to Captain Joe Sackick, who then in turn gave it to Rob Blake. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. You regist me, man. I did. You regist me. At just just 35 years old. Well, you know, you can take the money. (laughs) Yeah, I know, Regis. But I'm going to go D, final answer. But you could take the money. You already have it. You could lose it all. It's yours. It's yours to take. You could lose it all, though. At just 35 years old, rookie head coach John McNeil took over the Canadiens' bench midway through the 70-71 season and led them to a surprise cup win. As a reward, at the season's end, he was, you said, fired, and that was the correct answer. He did not get along with Henry Richard, uh, which mm. quickly ended his fate. Uh, Al McNeil and who did? Am I last right, seen uh, as the intern coach for the 2002 Calgary Flames. Uh, that's quite a span of time Holy spent in the shit. league. Uh, in the high-scoring 1991 final between the Penguins and North Stars, he was the only Pittsburgh forward to play in all six games without scoring a goal. You said Yammer Yager. The 19-year-old Yammer Yager was held to just six assists in the final. Just six. Nailed it. Uh, without scoring a goal. So Fucking 19-year-old trash. Uh, Henry Richard's cup winning goal in 66 was the only one from that decade that came in overtime. Uh, to this day, old-time Red Wings fans claim the goal was, you said, kicked in during a goal mouth scramble. We were looking for swiped in by Richard's glove. He was tripped on his way to the net, and the video kind of looks like he's swiping cool. his hand all around, and, and the puck went in, and, you know, TV back in the day. Rings a bell who, now who that you really knows it. what was going on. Uh, from 95 to 03, the Devils won three cups in nine years, and all three came with different coaches, which Hall of Fame coached, uh, which Hall of Famer did not win the Sonic Cup as head coach. You said Lou Lamorello. Era. Uh, Lamorello did step behind the bench for two different Devils playoff runs, but neither were cup seasons. Uh, he is the only one not to lead them as head coach to a cup. That's right. uh, and finally, a few Canucks fans will ever forget Roberto Luongo giving up eight goals. Uh, who amongst us will? Uh, in the, uh, 20, I actually kind of did till I heard this question. <laughs> final. Uh, of the 13 times a goalie has given up seven or more in the Sonic Cup final, uh, 10 were by Hall of Famers. Which goalie never gave up that many goals in a final? Glenn Hall got lit up by the Bruins back in the uh, early 19, uh, well, late 60s, early 70s when they went to the finals three years in a row. Uh, so he is not the correct answer. Tony Esposito, uh, he allowed uh, seven in an 8-7 win mm. that came against Ken Dryden. Oh, that's cool. So the correct answer we were looking for was Patrick Waugh. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So uh, how would you do here? We, we, we went seven for 16. Seven for I knew I knew he was caught hot dog in, in a conference final game. It was. But I just assumed with Montreal there was some unfortunate fucking event. But yeah, he yeah, would have played three finals there, so you, yeah. yeah, you'd think. I just, I Law just would have, it just would have made sense to me. You know, oh, that, that's all right. That's uh, cool. That was, that was fun. My favorite part about so what did I get? Seven out of sixteen. 
Oh, I felt like I did better than that. Uh, cool, interesting note. Uh, Al McNeil, who's now 85, I think probably on my list of guys that I would rather run the San Jose Sharks. So, oh, we'll, we'll give Al a call and see if he's uh, available. Yeah, I think it's huge oversight. Probably not a COVID risk. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there was no reason why he went eight years between coaching again after winning a Stanley yeah. Cup. I'm sure he gets along Couldn't with everyone. Imagine. All right, so overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. I said, all right, it's over, didn't I? Uh, all right, it's time for overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Uh, this week we're doing fast food restaurants. Yeah. This is uh, this is your pick. Yeah. Well, right. you know, I always pick music stuff. Do you stuff. eat a lot of fast food? Well, I mean, I, I used to work in a mall. Okay. And uh, you know what? I've just always been bad for bringing a lunch to work. So I feel like I've, I've eaten a decent amount of it. Um... You know, I, I I I dabble, is what I would say. I dabble. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm not going to bullshit. Yeah. I don't just dabble. I eat a lot of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I would say, I would say, it's, it's honestly, it's, I was going to say once a week, but then I realized that uh, I often order when I'm hungover. So mm. it's, it's probably three times every two weeks. I would say. <laughs> You're say three times a week. <laughs> three times every two weeks. I would say. I, okay. I am prone to my Sunday order some tacos. So I get I get I get right fucked up three times a week, and I order hang, hangover yeah. fast food food. Yeah. The next gotta, fast food food. Got to eat something when you're hungover. Fast am I food. right, folks? Yeah. Um, you're overrated. It's it's Subway. I, I don't I don't particularly like Subway. Uh, it's in contention for my least favorite, but. It is the reason I think it's overrated is because it's the most popular fucking fast food restaurant in the world, and uh, I don't think it's good. I it's it's notoriously the worst sub I've ever had, other than those like hilarious um, grocery store subs you'll get. You know what I mean? That are like kind of pre-made, and then they sit for three days. Those are the only ones that are sometimes worse than Subway, and even then, um, sometimes they're better. So I don't like Subway. I don't. I find their bread is like eating cardboard. Um, a lot of their ingredients are not fresh. Um, it's overrated, but it's one of those things. You know, if I'm in, let's say, I don't know, pick a hick town. We're gonna say Dryden, Ontario, and you're passing through, and it's like 9:30 at night, and they got a fucking billboard up on the window that says, "We now have limited time Korean barbecue subs." Yeah, I'll fuck with Subway. Like, don't get me wrong. So you're telling me that you, as a guy that doesn't like fresh ingredients... No, I do like fresh ingredients. Sorry, that that complains about not fresh ingredients at Mm -hmm. Subway, drove five hours away to Dryden to get their take on Korean barbecue, which in theory would take longer to get to Dryden than maybe anywhere else in the world. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, the the amazing part about this example was how you think it took five hours to get to Dryden. Um, <laughs> fucking, fucking ride a bike there that quick? Maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. I think it's bad. It's just something that I avoid eating. If people are give me the option of fast food restaurants, I will seldom pick Subway. There are very few on the list of restaurants that I don't like, or sorry, that I like um, less. And, uh, yeah, I just, I think it's bad. I, I try to avoid eating it. My biggest problem with uh, Subway is that it's, um, it's not fast. 
there's nothing quick about yeah, it. Yeah, and you know so. what? Like, I've I've been looking for years to get this out on public record, and I, wow. I I don't know what other platform I would pick. It's enough with these fucking restaurants that I walk in, and they got to ask me a million damn questions about how I want something made. Look, it's called the Korean barbecue sandwich. Just. Fucking make it how you think is best. I don't know. Like, whatever oh. the fuck is on it, put it on there. Should I don't not, know. I don't care. not disagree more. See, but here's the thing. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who do have their preferences. I'm just not one of them. Like, okay. I'm, I'm the rare part of the population where it's just like, I don't know. Fucking make it however you want. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm not a picky eater in any sort of sense, really, other than I don't like Subway. And so, the most infuriating thing is to walk in there and then, like, so what kind of cheese do you want? What kind of cheese do you have? Well, we have uh, cheddar or or uh, or or white Monterey. or the other yellow. What did you just What did you just say to me? What did you just call that other cheese? I've heard that more than once at a sub at a subway, and that's in fear. Just look it up. It's on the fucking thing right here. I can see it. It fucking says Monterey, right? Sorry, I went a little Lewis Black there on the microphone. Um. Should it should be back to normal? There, there it is. Um, yeah, I could go on and on about why I don't like Subway. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I I think it's very overrated. Forty five thousand locations worldwide. All right. Well, well, my overrated. My favorite Subway. <laughs> I think it's just nice how they make you a good sandwich yeah, and give you always, a little bowl of soup. They always want to ask me what do I what do I want. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. Stop fucking asking that. Just me yelling at the other end of the restaurant. Um, my overrated is Burger King. Cares how he is. It's Burger King. Um, okay. It's fine. Every time I go there, I'm disappointed. <laughs> okay. That's all. I don't have a long window. You're disappointed? <laughs> yeah. You, you... I get it in my head. Like, I'll go, like, six months with a Whopper. I'll be like, oh, I need a Whopper. I'll go, and it's just not that good. Really? I mean, I haven't had one in years, so I don't know why I'm sitting here arguing. Like, oh, they're so good. Like, I, I probably haven't had one. a lot in high school. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So did I. Yeah. I probably, uh... I don't know. I probably haven't had a Whopper since at least 2017. Maybe before that, even. I don't know when I would have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's it. I don't, okay. I don't really have any... Okay, you're not that passionate about it. Yeah. Stance. Now, in lieu of my underrated, I'm just going to continue about how I think <laughs> Subway is terrible. Um, I think it's criminally underrated how much people love Subway. <laughs> I I will say this: my favorite thing about Subway is the the community bit where the mm. guy rich there has to rebrand as Subway. Because he just sells his identity to be like a corporate advertisement kind of thing. I'm Subway. Really good that they picked. Did you pick... say your name was? Subway's such a perfect company to just be like, yeah, we'll do that. Like, that's awesome. Good mm-hmm. for Subway on that one. Uh, my underrated, I got. I have two. Oh, wow. Greedy. Um, yeah, well, I'm not going to go on too far about one of them. Uh, I think Mr. Sub's underrated. I didn't think Mr. Sub's good. They have, like, nice fresh bread and just... All the reasons I said I don't like Subway is why I like Mr. Sub. Um, but criminally underrated I think and it's going to throw a lot of people off because this isn't a place you'd think of to get fast food fucking Dairy Queen man I'm telling you holy shit like they they can make a burger bro it, it, it's crazy like the the flamethrower burger it's like 8 bucks 
And when it came out, it's huge. Like, it's like a $16 burger for 8 bucks. It's crazy. It's so good. Um, their chicken tenders, unbelievable. I don't go there often, but I used to work, like, maybe 90 seconds from a Dairy Queen. And occasionally on the way home, uh, instead of, you know, stopping at a McDonald's or whatever, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get some Dairy Queen. And I was never disappointed. I, I think it's great. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about going there was it's in a bit of a sketchy location, so I didn't love waiting uh, with the other vagrants in the uh, in the lobby. But you know, we press on. Uh, in the interest of sh- saving time, uh, because we've we've gone a, a, a wee bit long this week. Um, for everything that you just said, the flamethrower, the eight dollars. Proximity to I don't not never really worked close to Dairy Queen. Um, my underrated is Dairy Queen. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I've never met anyone else that's eaten at Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> there have been times where I will I will go out of my way to go get a Dairy Queen oh, burger. It's so and like I've it was one of those things like I kept going there and I'm just like you know what I got to try something different like I got to see if this place can put it together. Every fucking thing I've ever gotten there I've gotten most of their fast food menu. It's all good. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's all good. It's all good. Dairy Queen. Yeah. It's all good, baby. <laughs> okay. Um, my favorite is Fat Burger. I, anyone who knows me knows that, I think. Uh, the reason being is because uh, I don't shut up about it, even though we don't have one here in Thunder Bay. I only get it so often. It's like James's favorite. I, I, what I'm assuming is going to be his favorite. It's just something I don't get often, so maybe I, maybe I overrate it in that sense. But I got to tell you. Uh, a mushroom Swiss burger and fries and I never I never get like dessert stuff at a restaurant and essentially have only ever done it like a dozen times at a fast food restaurant in my entire life even as a kid never but I get a fucking milkshake with that meal and uh, yeah I feel like shit afterwards but I gotta tell you though that's the greatest 20 minutes of like a four day trip for me is that that 20 minutes where I'm eating at fat burger okay uh, Fat Burger is good. It's incredible. It's it's a shame that you have to drive twenty three hours to get the, the nearest Fat Burger. Well, just if only Dryden weren't so yeah, far away, exactly. then Winnipeg would come yeah. closer. Yeah, uh, my favorite is Harvey's. Yeah, uh, another location that you have to drive roughly uh, forty six hours to get a Harvey's burger. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm going to use my time here to not talk about how good Harvey's is uh, and talk about why it is. Um, a disservice to the great city of Thunder Bay uh, that we don't have one. Uh, we're, we're the largest city in Canada that does not have a Harvey's. What what are we talking about? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see your Lewis Black aggression, and I'm okay. gonna I'm just gonna throw that microphone yeah. across the room right now because that's how passionate I am that we don't have a Harvey's. Wow. What are we what, what are we doing here? What is this franchise? That's the only problem with Harvey's. Their franchise is led by a bunch of incompetent sons of bitches who have it stuck up their nose. Thunder Bay is just this this murder cat. Well, James, you've been uh, ranting at the right time, uh, listening in for the last few minutes. Uh, Counselor of Niebing Ward, Thunder Bay, Cody Fraser on the line. Cody. Nice. Um, Bring me my Harvey's. Yeah, I mean, like my my, I feel like my least favorite shouldn't come as any surprise. Not because I'm so passionate about it, but because I think it is probably universally the most hated fast food restaurant mm. that I can think of. 
other than like Chick-fil-A and those companies that are just straight up terrible people. But I've never eaten at Chick-fil-A. I've never, you know, I don't know. never will. <laughs> no, I'm never going to fucking try it. So um, my least favorite is KFC. Um, and I wasn't going to put it there because I don't think of it as a restaurant that I don't like. But then I thought while I was sitting here thinking of my answer about eating KFC and I kind of wanted to puke. I don't see a situation where I'm probably ever going to eat KFC again in my life other than maybe like some popcorn chicken because it's not bad. Uh, I, I think I'm done with KFC. I think I've I think I've had enough. I don't think I'm going to have it again. And I, I haven't had it in probably 11 years. So that's even more hilarious, I guess. You will you will never. And I... I, I can't understate the overstate this enough. You will never know the disappointment when I watched a building be built across the street from the mall with little little hints of orange, thinking we were getting a Harvey's, only for us to get a third KFC. Uh, a, a, a franchise I have not visited. On, on on my own power. I, I've never made the the moral decision to go to a KFC. Someone else around me has purchased it in the past, and I'll be like, okay, I guess this is what I'm having because you know I didn't do a very good job of adulting today. So I guess I guess this is where I am today. Mm-hmm. But I've I've never woken up and made the decision to go get KFC. So uh, also my least favorite. Wow. By far. We got a lot of similar uh, similar tastes here. I got to tell you, um, I used to work incredibly close to like my last two jobs uh, to an A and W, and I've eaten probably more A and W than I think any other fast food restaurant probably in my life. I do really like A and W, um, but now I work closer to a Wendy's than A and W, mm. so I'm eating more Wendy's, and it's yeah. it's not the same. It's just not the same. Wendy's doesn't have a matzo burger. The reason I'm mentioning this is because I'm probably probably going to have Wendy's for lunch tomorrow just because I, I work two jobs, so I need something kind of he- heavy. Like, it's not a day where I'm going to eat, like, a salad. Like, I need something that's going to tide me over. So, like, I'm probably going to get, like, a chicken I, burger from Wendy's. I, I worked for ten years at a place that had a Wendy's and an A&W within walking distance. Yeah, I always forget that A&W's there because I work, and, uh, uh, ironically, a block, like, yeah. on the same street as your old job. Your yeah. old job, I guess, so. And there, there were, like, it was it was rare, but there were definitely days where I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to Wendy's today. I'm going to make that decision. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pass up on my teen burger today and I'm going to go get a little Dave's Hot and Fresh, you know? <laughs> Dave's hot and juicy. Yeah. Um, okay, I think we're good. Is that good? Uh, I'll, uh, I'll 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 ask you real quick before we sign off uh, tonight. The uh, the uh, MLB playoffs start. You got you got an MLB pick? You got a, a team you like for for the World Series that I think is going to win? Yeah. Oh, I have no I have no idea. Okay. I haven't. Uh, this is the this is the least I've watched baseball uh, since two thousand and four. So, uh, which was like when I became a baseball fan. So yeah, I don't, I don't have much to say. And it's not even that I watched, uh, less baseball because there were less games. I just, I just genuinely, I don't know if I watched a game start to finish all season. And that's rare for me. Cause even when it's like, you know, Saturday afternoon, sometimes like the fucking nationals are playing the white Sox on TV and I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Let's do this for three hours. Okay. Uh, so I didn't watch almost anything. Uh, I will just say that my second favorite baseball team is the Chicago Cubs. 
So I'm cheering for the Cubs because my first favorite baseball team, I don't know if you guys heard about this, a bit of a down year to understate it. So, yeah, I think I'll cheer for the Cubs. Okay. No, they've essentially got a buy in the first round. Cubs. So I kind of, I kind of want to see the Reds do well. I've always kind of had a little thing for the Reds, and I, I'm really coming around on Trevor Bauer. So, is that because like the Reds are essentially just like sixty six percent of the Red Sox? Well, I was just gonna say like the Reds. If you take their uniforms and then you just take our socks, you have a complete team. It's just your team without the ox. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well. There you go, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, both my teams finished in the eighth seed, so I'm <clears throat> real excited. Cool. I uh, I don't have anything to plug as of right now on the north side, but I might in the next few days. I do have. Uh, I am working on something about cheap free agent options for the Leafs and why I uh, wouldn't sign Wayne Simmons. Okay. That's fair. All right. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. See ya. Hey guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Come get your duds in order, cause we're bound to cross the water. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. Come get your duds in order, cause we're bound to leave tomorrow. Heave away, me jolly boys, we're all bound away. Sometimes we're bound for Liverpool, sometimes we're bound for Spain. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. But now we're bound for old St. John's where all the girls are dancing. Heave away, me jolly boys, we're all bound away. I wrote me love a letter, I was on the Jenny Lynn. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. I wrote me love a letter and I signed it with a ring. Heave away, me jolly boys, we're all bound away. Sometimes we're bound for Liverpool, sometimes we're bound for Spain. Heave away. But now we're bound for old St. John's where all the girls are dancing Heave away, I mean jolly boys, we're all bound away Heave away, and me jolly boys, we're all bound away.